Here's a great litmus test. If we are overextending ourselves, we'll know because we'll feel resentful. That's not because we're, a, you know, a lousy peer or colleague or friend or community member or employee. It's actually, that's just a really good sign that our body is just saying, hey, my needs are not getting that. And so I'm trying to get your attention about that. So resentment is actually very good information. The human experience is the greatest project any of us will undertake, yet it's often the one we spend the least amount of time working on. My name is Matt Johnston. I'm a self-professed personal development junkie, a retired pro golfer, and I now work for an organization that provides employee and health benefits to hundreds of thousands of people. It should be common sense to realize that what happens at work is what people bring home and what happens at home comes to them to work, but that's too often ignored. That's why each week, I hope to uncover a little more around what it means to be a human, working and living in the 21st century. We'll be learning from experts, having conversations and getting insights into all those things that fall at the intersection of life and work, emotional and physical health, skills and money, all of the relationships we navigate each day, and of course, the purpose and meaning we all desire. This is The Human Assignment. Welcome back or welcome to the Human Assignment Podcast. Thanks so much for, for tuning in again or, uh, or or joining us for the first time if you've just found us. We're really excited about today's interview. We just got off the phone with Shannon Gander and um, it was an awesome conversation. Certainly the conversation I needed to have today. I think it's a conversation that we all need to have right now. So a little bit about Shannon. She's a mental health and resiliency strategist. Uh, she works as a speaker and a trainer and a counselor. So she has a, a really broad background. She has an, um, an undergraduate degree in physical education, focusing in health promotion, but she also has a master's in counseling and uh, an additional training in corporate health and wellness and psychological safety. So she really is, uh, she is like a Swiss army knife um, in terms of the way that we interacted with her and I think in what she brings to the organization she works with. So uh, a broad conversation and one that had gems of takeaway in every single answer, I think. Yeah, it sure did. You know, I thought Shannon is, has, as you said, has such a diverse background and um, spoke about the topic of mental health, uh, general wellness in a way that was so accessible. She like, I, I just, I, as we dig into the, you know, in, dug into the interview, she talked about the implications of the pandemic on the workforce, working from home, uh, the stress on leaders, the unintentional impacts on uh, the people that are in the care of leaders. And I, you know, I'm, I'm walking away with a couple pages of notes here and uh, uh, it was just such a great, uh, great conversation. So uh, without further ado, please, please enjoy this uh, wide-ranging chat with your good friend and now mine, whether she knows it or not, Shannon Gander. Shannon, welcome to the to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We uh, we are so excited to to be able to corner you for for an hour and 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 have a conversation. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Donna, for having me. Great to be here. Donna has been singing your praises for well, I, I would say you know a couple of years now. And, uh, uh, so we're, we're really pumped that you've agreed to be on and we've got a, we have a, a list of a whole bunch of questions that, uh, I, I don't think there's any way that we're going to be able to cover them in, in an hour, but we'll do our best. 
And, and we typically start off these interviews by asking you about your journey. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So my journey kind of started, I, I've done a little dipsy doodle over the course of my career because I started actually in, I started in psychology. So I was uh, going down that stream and I was actually really curious about corporate health and wellness. So I diverted and I found this program through what would have been called physical education back in the day, but it now would be kinesiology, but they had this special stream out in Alberta and it was around health promotion. And within that, you could specialize in corporate health and wellness. So I did all that and finished my degree and, you know, got to look at what other, you know, people were doing in other places in the world and so forth. <laughs> and I came back and realized that it was very focused on our physical well-being. Super important, right? But it was focused on back care. It was focused on ergonomics and movement and all good things. But I also realized if we left our mental health out of that, that we would have left an entire, you know, the majority of health is what helps us to be well in and outside of work. So then I streamed back into the mental health field. And so fast forward, uh, working in community mental health, working as a therapist, I also realized uh, if I'm going to do anything helpful in my career, I got to get out of my office and then actually talk to people like in a broader scale. I need to get into workplaces and not just talk to employees directly, but also talk to leaders that can be decision makers about, you know, how do, how do we make systems that support employees to be well and, and things like that. So half the time I'm in my office, half the time I'm, uh, well, half the time I'm doing virtual <laughs> these days. Um, although, uh, you know, slowly getting back into some in-person stuff as well as, as a uh, pandemic will allow. And uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit about my, uh, my journey to what I'm doing now. I started in one place and went back to it kind of, but uh, the segue was a, a good one too. I love how you talked about the Dipsy Doodle because I think we always have this perception that our pathway is linear and then you talk to people and it's like, you know, a little bit of here, a little bit of there. And I never expected to end up here. And it's interesting how it's all interconnected, but that it's not a linear path. So I just love how you opened with that piece. So can you tell us a little bit about um, the, because I know you have such a, a, a broad background that really contributes in a rich way to the work you do. So can you just talk a little bit about the different areas of mental health and, and the different areas of sort of counseling that you've worked in? Just because I always mm -hmm. love how the multidisciplinary, not, not necessarily multidisciplinary, but inter, it's just very broad and interesting. So if you could elaborate on that, that would be lovely. Yeah, for sure. Um, so early days in my counseling career, I specialized in eating disorders. So the whole continuum though, so from body image issues to disordered eating, eating disorders and so forth. Uh, and over the years, I have, I've continued to do some of that work. Uh, a lot of it I did privately and, and in the community mental health program. Actually, there's a provincial program here now. So uh, I got to work in that program as well. Uh, but since then, probably in the last decade, I've specialized more in anxiety and depression, although I still see clients uh, that are along the continuum of disordered eating and eating disorders, and mostly adults, although I do see some sort of older teens, I would say. And um, yeah, right up to, I've got clients in their 70s, which is, I think, wonderful because it's a great example of, it's never too early to get counseling, it's never too late <laughs> uh, to do that. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I see people for a variety of issues, including if they have a history of trauma, which would have been part of my training, having trained in eating disorders. And so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a range. And I mean, some people might just come for, you know, just sort of general work-related stress stuff and, and so forth. So it's, it's a gamut, but, uh, 
but definitely see a lot of pe people will seek me out to work with me around their anxiety. That would be pretty common. And then uh, on the corporate side, you do a lot of work within organizations as well, right? Around mental health and resilience. So can you just talk a little bit about that piece? And then we're going to pick your brain on all of those things. I just wanted to set the scene a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in terms of organizations, I'll get asked to come in for a range of things. So sometimes it's an organization that they're just really worried about employee burnout and they, well, certainly now more than ever, although I've been going into organizations for about 25 years now, but so they might just want a straight up uh, workshop on burnout prevention. So that might be something I get asked to come in. Other times I might be asked to come in to speak to leaders around psychological health and safety in the workplace. So what are those psychosocial factors that protect our our mental health um, and and how do we what are the actions we can take on a day-to-day -day basis to bring those bring those to life in a real way in our, in our organization and so i might get asked to do a couple of days of mental health awareness so a company might have me come in and do um, all staff so mental health awareness for all staff so i might be going in once a month you know every every month to uh, to deliver training around that and so it kind of it's a, it's a range which is great i love that i have a range uh, but it's definitely under the banner of wellness related topics uh around building resiliency around protecting our mental health and uh yeah how to be well both in and outside of work shannon you said now more than ever i just got off a presentation about mental health in the pandemic um wellness was was kind of a buzzword in our in our world, uh, how has the pandemic changed the work you've done or are there trends that you're seeing now compared to before uh, the pandemic was was surrounding all of us? Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> that little known or unknown biohazard, right? Uh, <laughs> I say that only because, you know, uh, this, this very thing that we were told to you know, be careful about and be anxious about and stay at home and, and you know, don't gather and uh, so forth. We, our body did the very thing it's supposed to do. We got anxious. <laughs> so uh, not surprising that anxiety has been, you know, the uh, at the forefront. And even the, even the stats show that people that have experienced loneliness during pandemic, like anxiety went up by like more than 25%. Uh, but generally for, for people in general, it's just been higher. So for sure, seeing higher rates of anxiety higher, and, and anxiety over time, we always talk about depression in the mental health community is tired anxiety, right? It's like really hard to sustain that hyper arousal. So our body naturally goes into this more hypo aroused state, which would be more like low mood, not necessarily mm -hmm. a clinical depression, but uh, so, so naturally we're seeing more anxiety. We're also seeing more low mood um, and also in terms of organizations, lots of organizations trend-wise are looking for ways to help people if they're doing a return to office, right? Um, even how do we do this new environment? Because in some cases, some people are going to be in the office and some people are going to be continuing to be at home because more organizations are looking at more of a, if they can, not, not, this is not necessarily true for every organization. In some cases, you know, frontline workers, you know, can't be doing that necessarily from home, but in lots of cases, it's hybrid. So it's like a, a big trend towards how do we do this? How do we how do we engage staff, you know, that are at home as much as people that are at work and avoid proximity bias and things like that. And um, which is, you know, basically the people that you see are the ones that you give the work to or the ones that get promoted, that kind of thing. So there's lots to say about that. But uh, yeah, so it's um, it's been an interesting time and we're all trying to figure it out as we as we go.
I want to come back to that. I know that Donna, you have a question right now, but I do, I want to put a pin in that in, in terms of the, uh, uh, the, the, this return to work concept and how it fits around, uh, uh, we, we, I don't want to lose that, but Donna, I know that you had, you had a next, next question teed up. So. I, I didn't, I was just letting you talk because I was asking too many questions at the outset. So I was going to, I think, we, I think the return to work is a great place to, a great place to dig in because I think it's, something that everyone is facing in different ways, shapes, or forms right now. So I'm happy. I would love to dig into that. Well, there you go. Uh, can you, get, we'll, we'll, we'll hand it over to you. Take it from there, Shannon. I don't know if there, there's some sort of question in there. Yeah, sure. Um, well, maybe I'll just sort of go to what I've been asked about lately. How about that? So so two things that, that have come up in the last number of months. Uh, one is organizations asking for a session for employees around anxiety and return to work. Um, so that would be really around the fact that, of course, we're going to be anxious going back to work, <laughs> right? And and for some people that have the decision about whether they're going to return to work right away or they have the option to do hybrid and so forth, like just sort of normalizing that we're all trying to figure that out. And what are some of the things, skills and strategies wise that we can do to just even help with the anxiety around that? Um, and the importance of communicating if people are having difficulty. So talking to their leader, what are some of the questions that leaders also need to be asking? Um, and so, so from a staff point of view, that would be sort of one thing that would be an example of what people are, are seeking right now. Um, as it relates to leaders and, and return to office, they're trying to figure out how to do it well. So they're looking at things like, like if I go to the psychosocial factors in terms of psychological health and safety in the workplace, and if I'm not answering a question, Matt, you or Don, you come back to me and say, "Hey, no, this is like not. Where did she go? Uh, let's bring her back." This no? is bang on. I've actually, I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing away. I need this answered actually. Okay, so yeah. Perfect. So, so there's key areas for us to focus on. Clear leadership and expectations is one of them, right? So, so let's just even go to burnout for a second. Okay, uh, if people don't know what their role is they don't know what the expectations are of them then they're going to get more dysregulated that's going to increase anxiety and anxiety increase, increases our risk to burnout right and so being able to you know have things clarified communication is huge in fact what they've done studies on productivity if people are less productive at home it's actually more to do with either having not having the equipment that they need right, to have an appropriate work set up and all the technology and all the uh, connections digitally and, and to platforms and so forth and shared drives and and, and such. But actually, they, the second thing is actually lack of communication. So if they don't have the information that they need in a timely manner to do good work and or they can't access their leader to be able to get input on a project that they're working on, that type of thing, that's what actually impacts productivity. It's not the work from home itself. Uh, so, so that would be one area. Engagement would be huge, right? Because although I have to say a lot of organizations that have been surveyed during COVID have actually scored fairly high in engagement because we've done a lot more communicating with employees because of COVID, right? In terms of, you know, policies and safety practices and, and things like that. Check, leaders have been, um, have been reminded over and over again to be checking in with the employees. But then when we return to office, we need to be able to continue to do that. Right. So if you're having a meeting, for instance, if you're a leader and you're having a meeting and some people are in the office right around the boardroom and other people are uh, remotely piped in from from their home office, then, you know, what are some of the things that are important for us to remember? <laughs> Making sure that you ask the people remotely 
or you popcorn <laughs> back and forth so that you don't take, you know, an, you know, responses from everybody in the room and forget about the people that are online. Right. So that would be, you know, one example of uh, making sure that our meetings are shorter because mm -hmm. we've all experienced what it's like to be virtual and spend mm -hmm. way too much time looking, <laughs> looking at uh, not only ourselves, but also uh, looking at our screens. Right. So being able to tighten up meetings, being able to be more organized around meetings, being really clear about the objectives and what the takeaways are, because if people are also piped in remotely, it's not 3D. So we don't remember stuff in the way that we used to. So that's not because it, lots of people are like, do I have early dementia? Is there a chance that, you know, something's wrong with me? But actually it's no, you got we're all on screens way too much and it's not 3d for me to remember this session matt and don i'll have to remind myself oh donna's wearing you know a you know got right. a wrap on and matt you got you're wearing white because because otherwise things just blend in together the other thing that we've done um with the virtual event uh not well is that we started having back-to-back -back meetings as if we didn't need some kind of transition in between whereas in the office we leave uh, you know, a room, we'd leave a meeting room, we'd take a bathroom break, we'd fill our water, we'd grab our snack, right? We'd go back, return a couple of the emails and go to the next meeting. And somehow with remote work, we've done this back to back thing that hasn't even made sense for what's, you know, keeps us well. Are you telling me we're supposed to eat during the day? <laughs> well, it depends on if you want to be binging in the evening <laughs> and or grouchy and uh, for the people that you care about who care about you. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, I was just mentioning just a little bit about some of the engagement stuff. Um, and then, of course, there's balance and workload management, which is a huge, you know, there's, there's so many more psychosocial factors we could go into, but I'm just naming a few that we could uh, just sort of be, be, be really aware of, uh, given, given the, the change in landscape, right? Yeah, sort of on that front, like the psychosocial factors relates is deeply rooted in the psychological safety and creating a psychologically safe space so i wonder if we could just broadly sort of talk about how do you create that in general how do you create that psychologically safe space environment and i think it it links to many of the things you just spoke about specifically in the hybrid uh environment uh but certainly in general what are there are there other things that leaders can do and that colleagues can do to sort of support that psychologically safe climate in a in a work setting yeah yeah, that's a great question. So, and I like that you actually added, Donna, what could we do for each other, right? <laughs> um, so maybe let's even start there. Like if we think about psychological safety, that's around us being able to speak up, you know, share, give feedback, and that that feedback's, you know, received, that we don't penalize for doing that, that, you know, people are open to receiving that, and then, you know, um, valuing ideas and, and so forth. Um, when it comes to creating a safe space, I think, first of all, one of the things I just want to acknowledge is I think there's a lot of weight on leaders, you know, mm. it's leaders are the reason why, you know, things are not well in the workplace. And so actually, I think I think leaders get a bad, bad rap and I think they have a fabulous job because they're trying hard and they're really busy. Yeah. And I think they're always trying to figure out ways to do things better. I think they're trying to figure out how to engage employees and how to check in and you know give feedback and do that better and and so forth um and and yet they are not always responsible for the load that's being carried right and so i, I just sorry i want to sort of preface with uh with that so so if we think about a busy leader 
I, I actually, I feel like I have to digress, but it's related if it's okay. No, so this some, is fantastic. This is awesome. Yeah. So at some point I created a breakfast se- session and it was called creating a culture of good morning. And the reason I did that is because somewhere along my career, I also trained in conflict resolution and mediation. And, and so I was doing like a whole bunch of workplace assessments and mediation for like a number of years in a row. And which was really kind of misguided because I have to tell you, like, all I wanted to do was ask people about their childhood, which is totally inappropriate in a mediation. So <laughs> I had to give my butt back to, to doing counseling. But, um, but my point is that so one of the things when we're really busy this could be true peer-to-peer but also particularly leader to employee so two two lobes of our brain right borrowing from neuroscience like there's task brain and relational brain well when a leader's coming into work they're usually in task brain right they're thinking about all the things they got to do the first meeting they need to have the first person they have to talk to and so forth so let's say donna and and matt your employees and i'm your leader right Mm -hmm. and i'm going to have a meeting with donna so I blow past you, Matt. I don't even see you, not because I didn't want to disregard you, but because I'm actually not thinking about you in that moment. I'm thinking about this meeting I got to have with Donna and this thing I got to take care of. And, and she's already asked me a question. I need to follow up. And so I beeline to her and I've entirely in my task brain, not even seen you. Yeah. Right. And so what would happen in these mediations at some point, like in the series of, of, of meetings we'd have, I have it happened a number of times enough to motivate me to put a session together. So one person would say about two years ago, you stopped saying good morning to me. And I knew you were mad at me. And that person's like searching. I did. I stopped saying, and they're like, you could see they're trying to like roll back. Let's roll back this reel. When would I do that? I can't even remember exactly. I don't remember in the same way that you'd and so forth. And it just made me realize just how easy it is for us to, get into our work and have not even made, it doesn't have to be like everything about your weekend, right? Or it doesn't have to be, tell me all about your evening last night and so forth. But even just that brief connection, I see you, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. you're, you know, I see you're here. I value you. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, so creating safety. So let's, if we're going to go full circle, right. Would be about do, being able to do that, right? Even just connecting with each other uh, for leaders to be able to uh, make sure that they're not just focusing on certain employees, the ones that are knocking at their office door, right? When the other employees on their team might also need to be checked on mm-hmm. uh, and, and connected with. And I think that's a fine balance. That's a real juggle for uh, a leader to be able to do that. But we also create safe spaces for each other when we also get that this has been a hard time for everyone. And I think, so one of the things I do in a session, like I'll, I'll just show these different reactor types to stress. Okay. So I'm sort of breaking down in the research. They talk about stress reactions and, and that no matter what our reaction type is, I'm not doing my type to you to bug you, Donna, or to make your life miserable, Matt, right? It's like, no, I just, if I'm a nervous reactor or I'm a, I'm a retreating reactor, or whatever my reaction type is, like, I'm just trying to do that to get by and survive this. And if we can all just kind of go easy on each other, mm-hmm. recognizing we're all just trying to do the best that we can, you know, while we're recovering from what's been a really difficult time and it's going to be a continued sort of adjustment. Um, I think that would go a long way to create some safety. Just like if somebody has a stressful response and it sounded edgier than what we would like and so forth that we recognize, oh, they may not have said that on purpose to me in that way. You know, it's like we just, to, we don't want to be disrespected, but at the same time, we also don't want to be, not willing to to recognize 
a lot of us are having shit first draft conversations sometimes, you know, oh, excuse my language. Can I say that on the podcast? You, Lousy you first draft any, any language you want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was a long answer. I could say <laughs> more about that, but uh, hopefully I'm touching on the idea of, of, you know, how, how are we going to create safe spaces for each other in the next while? I love that answer. Like that, that perspective was, was so helpful. Um, and I, you know, there's a couple of things that were coming up for me there. Like one, one is from, uh, for, for leaders, for those who, who are supporting others, whether that's a parent or, you know, su or supporting a team at work, um, uh, is, is just, there's that general awareness of like, yes, you know, at work you are, there's this endless list of things to do and half and I, I as you're describing that leader charging into work like i could i just see the absent-minded me charging into work because i'm like behind on 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 half of those and uh i don't even like i i, I don't even know uh you know i don't even know where i am on 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 route to my office let alone anyone that i've passed half the time so just like that general awareness there and then the other side of it is just the fact that when we all show up into a place of work or wherever it may be, we're all humans carrying trauma from our past, you know, probably inadequate ways of, of uh, you know, interacting socially. And it, there's like a general forgiveness to, to everyone. Um, I'm just curious how you support leaders to, you know, of course, gain that self-awareness themselves and also to create that environment on the, within a team of forgiveness for one another. It sounds great in, 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 theory and practice or theory, but putting it into practice is hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it certainly is. And I think that uh, one of the things that maybe leaders can remind employees about is this is, this is not a time of perfection. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some, sometimes that might mean like, if I'm getting really specific, like in terms of projects, sometimes it might mean having to remind people where something's good enough and it's okay for us to move on here because everybody's so completely snowed under from a workload management, you know, standpoint, like everybody's trying to do more with less resources. It's just, it's, you know, it's no, it's, it's no wonder that uh, we experience burnout, right? Because uh, it's uh, the system's a little broken that way. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so, so in some cases, you know, it's leaders being able to, to help people step off where, you know what, this is good enough. Let's move on from here. Cause there's, you know, I, I don't want people to expand their, their energy further. Uh, I want us to be able to, uh, celebrate what we've managed to do and, and give ourselves room to, to recharge and reset and, and get on with the next thing. Um, but also, for, so, so going back to the forgiveness part is that like some people on the team will be more wired for perfectionism. Right. And so, they might be like, whoa, 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 wait a second. This is not okay. What the heck? Like, um, and so being able to, to help, help the whole team recognize, Hey, yeah, it is actually, it totally is okay. It's okay for us to step off here. You have done good work. We have done good work. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, if, if people are, you know, just a little bit, let's say grouchier, you know, it's good. It's good. It's a little ouchy and grouchy time. Right. And so being able to remind people to, you know, hey, don't forget to, to be kind to each other and support each other and uh, check in on each other. And I'll check in on you too. And if you are not getting from me what you need, you have my permission to come to me. Because that's the other thing. When, when leaders are busy 
employees will not want to go to the leader to ask them because they're like, oh, I'm just going to burden them. I already know that they've got, they said in a meeting this morning that they had like 800 emails yesterday. <laughs> I'm not going to go and be the person who then says, hey, I was wondering about, or, you know, um, and so, so being willing to just sort of be open around that because you may not be able to get to everybody every day, right? But really giving the open invitation for people to come to you. So I don't know if that, that's not necessarily about forgiveness, but I'm talking about sort of just being kind and open and having some compassion for ourselves and for each other, you know? That's what I needed to hear. Thank you. <laughs> We've talked a little bit about burnout. Like it, it's come out into the conversation uh, quite a bit. So I'm wondering if we can, if we can talk a little bit about burnout and resilience. Uh, I'll just leave it to you to sort of guide us there, but if we could speak about those two connected but opposing <laughs> concepts to some degree. Yeah, sure. Um, it's interesting, eh? Because uh, I don't know if anybody's ever experienced burnout. It's like, oh, that's humbling. Wow. And it takes, I think it takes so interesting too, because we think that a person recovers from burnout when they go on vacation, you know, or they take some couple, couple of weekends off. Not true. It actually takes a significantly longer time. Uh, so the thing about resilience, like if I'm going to say what I want people to kind of take away from any interaction I've had with them is, yeah, we've got the standard definition, right, around resilience, our ability to uh, reform to our usual shape when we've been bent, compressed, stretched out. This time of COVID-19, great example. And, and so it, and it's a group of skills and attitudes where we learn from our stressful situations. But let's all put that aside. Okay. Really, it's that we're all, we're all resilient. We're wired to protect ourselves, just like we're wired to come back to stability. So no offense, Donna, because you're an elite athlete, but resilience isn't just for elite athletes. <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's, it's, and that's very kind of you to say, I, I can't guarantee that no longer apply. <laughs> but thank you, just made my day. <laughs> I think though, what we do is we see other people as resilient, right? We see how, you know, and I think actually even this, period of pandemic, I think people have been really hard on themselves. It's like, you know, we hold somebody up and we say, oh my gosh, they're doing so much better than I am. What is wrong with me? I must not be able to figure life out. We're just uh, interestingly wired that way to be hard on ourselves. But we actually, we endure. So that, in fact, we endure to, to our detriment, right? So we got the resilience thing down. I was think of the analogy of like, we have this way of, we're like a car and it runs out of gas, but instead of like, pausing and filling it with gas we go oh i can just put my feet through the floorboards and i could just run this thing i'll just get a little eek a little more out you know and and so what i try to get people to do if i'm if i'm going to do anything helpful uh, i try to arm people with skills and strategies around uh seeing resilience as the importance of giving ourselves permission to recharge so we're that same car and we notice we've floored the gas and then we uh you know are willing to touch the brake and then give it some more gas and then you know sort of pendulum in that way right talk i talk about a uh, window of resilience and uh, you know the sympathetic response around our nervous system which, which is the part that gets us going which is great right some cortisol and adrenaline helps us get things done we need that mm -hmm. uh, but we also need to kick in our parasympathetic system so that's what i mean when i'm talking about you know pressing the brake permission to recharge like it might be just moments it might be seconds but getting that vagus nerve activated in our body repeatedly throughout the day because that's what helps our body go oh i'll be okay i can keep going but we just don't have that mentality we tend to have this go hard or go home mentality which puts us at risk to burnout 
right? It's uh, yeah, it's it's very cultural. <laughs> Burnout is very it lands on the individual, but it's very cultural, right? We live in a culture of busy. You ask people how they're doing, they're gonna usually say they're busy. I have a, a friend that says I'm drinking from a fire hose, and I think oh, that sounds uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then I go. Am I drinking from a fire hose? Am I working as right? We can sometimes get into this comparing ourselves to whether we're working hard enough, doing doing enough, and and so forth. But uh, but that's just a little bit of a smattering of how I'm sort of trying to get at these topics around burnout and and resilience. Did I answer your question, Donna? Absolutely. I I loved how you um, phrased it, and I also love the we sort of have referred to them as like micro moments of recovery through the day right and so if we there was actually we did the math last year and if you were able to take i think it's 15 minutes a day like just 15 minutes a day to meditate to go for a walk have a sense of peace in your day whatever that would be that like actually over the course of a year results in the equivalence of two weeks of holidays that you can sort of give yourself a, each day and accumulatively right that could have a huge impact so i really liked how you framed that and also that we are all resilient we just have to give ourselves permission to have that because i think that permission piece is huge I, I think a lot of times we just don't right you just find a way like you say to kick through the floorboards of the car and keep going and then pick it up and carry it if you need to but perhaps that's not that's not even in the realm of resilience or strength anymore at that point you're you're sort of at a point of no return so i really liked how you framed that i thought it was a, a lovely way to to frame it in a really human way so thank you Yes. But can I, if I can just add to the human part, I think the other part that's unfortunate is that then when we feel burnt out, we blame ourselves and we get really hard on ourselves. You know, oh man, what's wrong with me that I couldn't keep going or, you know, uh, that, that other people appear to be able to and I'm not uh, rather than, oh, wow. Okay. If I take a step back and look at all that I've been trying to do, it makes perfect sense for why I might, you know, you know, just like me, other people, you know, uh, burnout and so forth. Yeah, that common humanity, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, as we're having this conversation, like my shoulders are just like, I'm, I'm actually just look, see myself in the Zoom here. I'm like more relaxed just by hearing this. Um, I can kind of take a, take a deep breath. And, and, I'm, and I'm also aware that when I get off this call, I, it's easy to get back into that to-do list and that that uh that cycle of um hustle and what have you so like what does it look like for when you're working with people to you know to to keep keep these keep these thoughts top of mind like you know and and even and even what what are what are sustainable tools that you that you share with clients mm, yeah so i usually will break well so let's just go to your your example matt and then i want to talk a little bit about how i might break up a session in terms of what I might share, um, if that's helpful. If that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. So, so, so when we get through this session, you might find that your days are all your calendar is full with everything related to your work. But I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Do you actually build in time in your calendar uh, to step away? Like, do you build in a lunch? break even if it's not a full hour not everybody can take a full hour but do you build in that time or do you have any other time that you've carved out because that's when you're going to try to move your body 
um, because your days are long and the work-life blend thing, right? You probably work some part of the day and partially into the evening. And depending on if people are self-employed, they do all that, right? And uh, and they don't even have to be self-employed to to do that. And so, so what does your schedule look like, Matt? Do you actually build in the time in your schedule or do you wait for it for yourself to have extra time? And that's when you're going to do some of the self-care stuff. Extra time. If I'm, I will, I will plead guilty. Yeah. Well, the, and I think, the, the workout scheduled before anyone gets up. It's, it's sort of the, yeah, I'm guilty there. Right. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, that's true of probably, you know, most of us, right. But, it, but it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing, right? Because we, want to feel better, but we're not actually building in the time for ourselves to be able to do that. Right. And, and, uh, and we're, we're some, we're often wedging it in, which I think is people's reality, but even that would be better if we had the ability to actually, you know, put certain things in our calendar. I had a sticky note when we first started. So, so when we first switched to, to working remotely, I'm right on the screen all the time and, and, <laughs> I actually started to get really bad headaches. Some of it was the screen time, but part of it I realized too, when I was in the office, I would leave my desk, I would go to the washroom, I would fill up my cup with water on the way back and I would take it back to the desk and I'd hydrate. Working from home, I, I didn't do any of that. I just like would work. It's like, oh, yeah. and, and oddly, by one o'clock in the afternoon, my head was killing me. So I had this, you know, talk about old school, I had a sticky note, fill a water cup by 9 30 and i stuck it right on my laptop and then i started to do it yeah. right so but i had to actually do something that actually you know because i wasn't going to remember to do it i was going to remember when i had the headache mm. right because you get into you know you get all jazzed and into your work day um so so in terms of skill stuff i usually break it down into uh well a few areas but i'll start with the first two one is i talk about bottom-up strategies right so just in terms of uh, dealing with our stress response, because if we can do, if we have the ability to work on our self-regulation, it just helps our prevent our, it helps prevent burnout. And so I talk about bottom-up strategies, I call them the anchors. So these are the things we do within our body, they're called somatic, um, that just help our body go. It'd be, you know, all the things you probably talk about all the time on your podcast, whether it's, you know, breathing exercises and so forth. So really practical, like the stuff you can do, I always want them to be portable, right? So it's not just about going to the gym and, and so forth. It's like the thing you can do in the shower when you're anticipating a difficult day, the thing you can do when you're booting up your computer and you're, you open up your inbox and you started to, you know, get that rush of cortisol and adrenaline, or you got off a client call and you needed to reset and regroup before you went on to the next call. So, so that would be an example in terms of anchors. And then I talk about top-down strategies because, and the reason I start with the bottom up is because we realized in the research that we can't think ourselves comp. Right? We'd be lovely if we could, but we can't. Mm -hmm. We have to do something in our body first. So so then I'm going to be talking about, you know, what do we do with the thinking part? What do we do with the about the fact that we're wired to worry and everybody wants to get a better sleep? And so I'll talk about things like now thoughts because uh, we're always worried about the future. And I'll talk about control, like, you know, exercise around what we can do with the, the mind part of our stress uh, so that we can pair these things, right? So we can put together the bottom-up strategies and the top-down strategies uh, that just help us to navigate our stress better and also feel more present. And when we're more present, we can be more productive and have more joy and that kind of thing. Mm. So, and then I also talk about work-life boundaries. So that's usually a big, you know, kind of a big section of, of skills and strategies, which, uh, yeah, are not uh, not always easy for us to practice. And I'm, I feel like I'm learning every day. 
<laughs> well, well, let's let's talk about that. I'm, I want to. I that's on our list of questions, and uh, we we talk a lot about this work life balance versus work life blend. So, yeah, can you break down work life boundaries? What does that look like? Yeah, you know what? I started to call it that because I get asked to talk about work life balance, and I'm like, but I don't believe in that because. <laughs> Balance is not a thing. We're, I mean, in fact, we're going yeah, we're gonna to feel like we're 100%. failing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Aren't we all just failing that balance thing? Right? If people work yeah. full time, they spend the majority of their working waking yeah. hours at work, right? So it's just not even yeah. uh, fair to us. Um, so, so the reason I started to work with work-life boundaries is because that's the thing that may be able to kind of save us from burnout, right? It's not an easy thing to do, but it's our ability to actually. Um, you know, engage a trans. I'll always talk about making sure you have a transition ritual. So, so let's go back to the work-life blend thing. Like, our never in our lives has our work and home life been so closely blended. Hmm. Right? It's like it's totally blurry. And so, being able to work on a transition that helps you to step away from your work, you know, to be in your other life, and then also come back. So, so if we were in the office, that would be things like, you know, taking your work shoes off and leaving them at work. Uh, and putting other footwear on to come home. It may be, you know, you, you leave a list. There's nothing worse than having to hold a list in your mind in the evening about work when actually you're, you want to be able to pay attention to other things. And so, you know, being able to get, get used to making your list that you leave at your workstation, whatever that is. So this can be true with, with remote work too, right? So what are the things that help people transition? Early days, uh, so when I would talk about this in sessions, people came up with great ideas because they were missing the commute, right? So in some cases, uh, workplaces were doing a little challenge around you. You had to leave your back door and then come in the front door of your home so that you, at, but you were kind of sort of mindfully trying to leave work behind uh, and then come into your home like you were like, oh, oh, honey, I'm home. That's <laughs> and, hilarious. Uh, yeah, I thought that was really clever. I didn't come up with that, but I thought that That's was really, really fun. Yeah, yeah. So, so in some cases, it means, uh, you know, having to change your clothing when you're done, like something that actually yeah. signifies your brain and your body. I'm leaving here now and I'm going to, you know, um, my, my other life that, that, that needs me, even if it's just in the next room, get not, you know, taking our laptop into every area of our house. So now we've created the stimulus. Remember like being a student when you'd study and then you'd eat where you study. And then every time you sat there, you needed to have a snack. Right? Is that just me? <laughs> so, so same idea with work, right? If we're going to move our work around to four different areas in the house, then there's no sacred space right. where we don't feel like we need to be working. And so just sort of watching some of our patterns and habits, and I'm not suggesting there's no perfection in this. And I feel like I, you know, I'm constantly having to exercise my own work-life boundaries, you know, our ability to sometimes so i use a visual can i just show you this visual i don't know if this helps on a podcast but it, but uh, but can i just show you we'll describe it yeah okay so here's the description is you see this basket okay yes. this is an apple basket the container is you okay and the apples are your resources so it's funny because if i go in and do a session people would say they know never they never remember who i am they go bring the apple lady back i'm like <laughs> okay so they remember this so, so we're looking at a beautiful uh sort of uh, uh kind of like a bamboo uh apple basket with like perfect uh red delicious apples right and so of course these aren't real if i was going into a, a workplace they used to be real although now with COVID, when i go back in i actually probably won't use real ones because mm -hmm. We won't be able to touchy touchy the same apples, right? Um, but 
So what I try to get, so, so there's this kind of a visual, think of the, the apples as your resources. So all day long, so I'm gonna make some noise here, you guys, if that's okay. From the time we get up in the morning, right? To the time we go to bed, we're flinging out apples, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing, get up and feed the dog, start getting your kids ready, start making lunches, right? We're doing this all day long, it goes and goes and goes, right? I haven't even got to my email yet, you get the idea. So, so now that. I, okay. so, so for people that are listening, I'm flinging out awesome. the apples all over my room. <laughs> um, my family started hearing those apples drop. Yeah. But so here you go. So what I'm trying to get at is, so you can see this is an empty basket. We can totally get away with that being empty. If we do that on a, you know, occasional basis, we're totally fine. We're so resilient to that. Not a big deal. However, if we feel like our basket is not only empty, but we have a hole in it day after day, Right. And in fact, we so overextended ourselves. We're like, um, yeah, it's like there's no bottom in the basket anymore. That's when we're going to risk burnout. So what I try to get people to do is be just uh, be aware. Right. So 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 one of the skills around resilience is awareness, hmm. self-awareness. So be able to check in with ourselves. So this is where I'm tying this back into work life boundaries. Right. It's like, OK, you get asked to do something. And I don't mean it's a have to have to do. Right. We're going to do our we're going to show up when we need to show up. We're going to do the work we need to do. We're going to feed our kids and do all those things. But if you get asked the extra thing, you need to be able to check in. Do I have any resources for that? Do I have any apples for that? If you do, hey, because if, if anything's going to burn me out, I'm going to be honest. It's my enthusiasm. Hmm. I don't want to say no to stuff because, hey, that sounds like a great opportunity. Hey, I'd love to do that for sure. I'll, you know, I don't want to miss out a little FOMO around that. And and at the same time, just because I can do it and just because I'd like to, I don't always have the apples for it. Mm. So being able to go, oh, do I have any apples for that? And if no, I might need to be able to say, hey, thanks for asking. So there's a boundary, right? Thanks for asking. I'm not able to you know, join you this time, but, but please ask me again, right? Or however you decide to navigate that, uh, you know, yes, no, yes. It depends on how skilled people are at, uh, at exercising their boundaries of saying no. but. Uh, yeah. So hopefully that's a bit of a, so if no one else on the podcast benefits, hopefully you, you Don and Matt will have seen that, uh, that visual and, and be able to, you know, use it as a checking in point uh, for yourselves. I, I love that the apple basket. And I also loved how quickly you were like listing off things and like throwing the, cause it's, it's, I don't think we necessarily think of our energy depleting that way, but so, sometimes Sometimes you get in the car to go to work and you've been only up for 90 minutes and you think, oh my God, how am I going to get through the rest of the day? You know, if, if you have to have, if you happen to have children and animals in your house, that can happen pretty fast sometimes, depending on the nature of the morning and for anyone, right. Or like email, like sometimes you get 10 emails that are frustrating and they're, that's like five apples. And so I loved how quickly, like you, we could hear them. You can, on the podcast, you'll hear them, but you can see them. And it's a very, it's very, it's a very um, powerful metaphor to be able to do that and so I, I think that that was really a really good awareness to sort of think about what drains me and what fills me up right and using the basket can really help to help you identify those things another piece I wanted to just have you talk about a little bit more is giving ourselves permission to and then practicing the art of saying no because I think that's where all boundaries begin and end <laughs> to some degree uh, so could you just talk a little bit about preparing people with that skill to say mm -hmm. no and being okay with that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so one of the things that, and, and you know, I'll just do the self, you know, self-disclosure. I was terrible at this. 
So I, I had to learn this. In fact, I had to go into a holding pattern and, and I use this with clients now, right? So what I mean by that is I could very automatically on a whim when asked, say yes to something, right? eager and i mean sometimes people are also saying it out of not wanting to disappoint the other person right we don't so we just don't feel like we have the room or i mean depending on the the situation there's also a power thing right there might be a power dynamic and we feel like we absolutely have to say yes and so that can exist not just at work that exists in families and and so forth but so what i mean by a holding pattern is if you're an automatic yes person which i would have said i i would be also um it, it's to actually you always are trying to buy just a little bit of time. So, so let's say Donna, you're asking me to do something. I don't know. Let's. Hey, do I want to do pizza? <laughs> hey, initially I did say, could we wait? Didn't I? Yeah, right? You did. Yeah, I yeah, did. It was awesome. Yeah, that's great. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so this was great timing. Uh, let's say you were asking me to be on the parent council for pizza lunch or something. Okay. And I think, I, I and I would, you know, back in the day, automatically say yes and think. Oh my gosh, I so totally don't want to do that. Not because I don't want to be helpful, but if I'm going to be helpful, it may not be that I want to do pizza lunch at the school. And so, uh, and, and someone else might really love to do that. So, so a holding pattern would be, you know what? Thanks for asking. I'm not sure. Let me get back to you. Let me know when you need to know by. And rarely there's something so on fire that a person needs to know right away. And so it may be, hey, you know, end of the morning, end of the day, tomorrow morning, end of the week. Often people will say, oh, yeah, you don't need to let me know today, which is fantastic, right? Because then you have the ability to check in, check in on your resources. Do I have any apples for that? Right. Uh, if, if you're really notoriously bad for giving all your time away, turn to someone who cares about you that knows you well. Hey, I got asked to do this thing. And they can be your mind of reason because sometimes, you know, we're very motivated by by guilt. Right. And so, uh, and which will make us make an impulse decision. So the, the person that cares about you will go, how are you going to fit that in exactly? Like they'll be, you know, yeah. Or do you really want to do it if it's really important to you? Or are you willing to let go of something else to make room for that? Cause you know, cause you'd, you'd like to. Hmm. Um, and so, so sometimes putting it outside of ourselves, uh, I will often also suggest if people are just on their own and they need to be able to think through it, write it down. Like, jot some notes that like externalize it because if it's just in here it'll be caught up in our emotion of wanting to say yes to please the other person for fear of the consequence of saying no and and permission giving is is recognizing that when we say no sometimes not only can we enjoy our yeses more right so so here's here's the thing here's a great litmus test if we are overextending ourselves we'll know because we'll feel resentful that's not because we're a you know, a lousy peer or colleague or friend or community member or, you know, employee. It's actually, that's just a really good sign that our body is just saying, hey, my needs are not getting that. And so I'm trying to get your attention about that. So resentment is actually very good information. Uh, and so if I, though, give myself permission to bypass something, say no to it or do it another at another time, I'm actually doing something not only for me, but I'm doing something for the other people around me because I'm better for the people that I love who love me, for my colleagues and my, you know, whoever else I interact with, if I honor that, okay? But I wanna come back to something that you said, Donna, because you said, and not feel badly about it, okay? Well, guilt is actually, it gets a bad rap, I think in terms of emotion, but really it's connected to our values, right? So I value being helpful, I value being kind, I value being caring, I value being giving, 
so so if we feel a little guilty it's really about going oh yeah because that's because i value you know these these things and so um expect you might feel a little guilty but two things could be true at the same time right that i could say no to this and also have this feeling um and try to be kind with myself with this feeling rather than turn it on myself and say yes and or turn it on myself and judge myself um for you know for how i'm feeling Hmm. that was a long answer but uh hopefully it touched the permission this that was an answer this this whole conversation has been a conversation that i needed to have i've sat here just like yes yes and I'm scribbling away notes as we're talking. Um, yeah, bang on. I'm aware of time too, and we're not going to let you get away without our our uh, our favorite rapid fire questions before we uh, we wrap up. Hey, Donna. Yes. Can can we ask one more question? Is that okay before the rapid fire, or do you want to go to rapid fire? No, no, no. I please. Okay. Is that okay Is, for you, Shannon? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you you've talked to me before. You know it can be like. Feel like the never-ending story. <laughs> when Donna and I go for a walk, we actually, you know, we need to extend it like double the time because it's we always have so much to talk about. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's let's run five k around. Yeah. The, we used to be next door neighbors, so we would like run the loop with the loop by our houses. And well, actually, I rented from Shannon and her husband Greg, so technically it was their houses. But anyways, we would like run the loop, and then like, should we walk? Maybe should we walk half the loop? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. To extend our time, we'll do a long cool down up into the street. Anyways, anyways. um, So I just one of the other uh, sort of we had a email chat before, and um, uh, or I've heard you speak about that you've had years and years of experience, and that the theme you see sometimes is that people often wait too long to to seek help, right? And in the meantime, that the quality of their life is not so great, or they they really suffer, and so. Uh, you're really motivated to get uh, ahead of this and sort of educate and be part of empowering people. So I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that in terms of uh, you know how you educate people and how to how to support people to reach out and engage with the resources they need so that they're so they're able to flourish and be their lovely human self. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you asked that. Actually, um, yeah, do you know that early on in my career i'd ask clients like how you how long have you been feeling this way and they would be reporting significant symptoms you know of anxiety or depression and this is the kind of answer i would get uh well it started when my first son was born so naturally i'd ask well how, how old is your your boy um oh he'll be 15 on saturday i'm like oh ouch yeah so so actually that's what motivated me to get out of the office and, and talk to people um i think it's really important that so we can sort of get into this, you know, comparing ourselves, you know, oh, I'm not having, I'm, I'm feeling anxious, but I'm not having panic attacks. So, so maybe I don't warrant, you know, getting help or, or sometimes we do this. Um, maybe I'm just an anxious person. And this is how I need to live. And I mean, we might all need to live with an amount of anxiety, but it doesn't have to be, you know, impacting our quality of life in a significant way. And so I think if I, if I was to do like a, a really important message that I would hope that we could all give to each other, it's like, nobody needs to be struggling or meeting clinical criteria for any kind of problem in order to warrant getting help right if something's you know just not sitting right with you and it's impacting your quality of life in some particular way like i sometimes people come for counseling and say you know i 
I didn't have trauma when I was a kid, so I don't even know, like, or, or they'll say, um, I don't really have like specific goals, but I just really felt like I needed to talk to somebody. Is it okay if I, you know, like you're trying to get permission? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it is okay. Um, and I think we sometimes get in our own way about that. We think we're going to fix something, which, you know, sometimes things do flow and ebb and they, and they dissipate. But if it's not, mm. like, I don't want people to be, you know, having difficulty for a length of time. So, so in terms of interaction around talk conversations around mental health, wouldn't it be great, you know, to get to the point where if somebody says their back is sore and we go, Oh, Hey, I know a physio or a chiro or whatever. Yeah. That if somebody says, you know what, my mood has just been brutal. Hey, I saw somebody through our employee and family assistance program and you know, it was really helpful for me or I didn't like the first person, but I went back and I got someone else and they were really helpful. Like, like if we can have these kinds of normal conversations and one thing that we can sometimes do. So just a precaution, I'll talk about giving reassurance, but not dismissing. If somebody shares that they are having a difficult time, one of the things we do in an effort to try to take care of people is we go, Oh, you know, let's say Donna, I'll use you as an example. You know, Donna, you have it so together. I'm sure it's going to pass. I mean, you know, it's probably just a, you know, period of time, everybody's having a difficult time, you know, I might sort of do that to try to reassure you. But what would be more helpful is for me to say, hey, I didn't realize it's so good that you're saying something, right? That would be right. So it's like, hey, you know, it's, it's uh, um, and then I might check in with you to see if you, you know, if you have any, if you talk to anybody or do you have any resources, you don't even have to know what the resources are. But at work, for instance, it's just great if you know who the person is that has the resources, which is usually an HR person, if you have HR in your workplace. But uh, yeah, yeah. So being able to see our, our mental health as part of our health would be a, a pretty good anti-stigma thing. And it's also, resi it's resilient to reach out. And it's also an anti-stigma action, isn't it? Hell yes, Shannon. I, uh, this is, this is exactly what I, as I said, I, what I needed to hear today. And, um, uh, the work that Donna and I are trying to do is, is to, is to help promote, uh, support that message. And, 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 uh, um, I just so appreciate the work you're doing in the world. That's, um, so thank you. I, I, we, we can't leave you though. I know we were pressing on, on the, on the time frame that we, that we, that we agreed on, but we have to, hit you with, we have to get some of our rapid fire questions in, of course. So right. Donna, lead us off. Okay. So I'm going to start with the, the heavier one first. So um, what advice would you give your 25 year old self? Okay. Uh, my 25 year old self, be, be kind. I, I wish at that age I had been kinder to myself. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes you're at that age, people are really hard on themselves and uh, we don't need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Excellent. Well, this, the, I, I don't know if this is the softball, but uh, the one that uh, I'm always scribbling away on is uh, what book do you most recommend book or books? Um, I, you know, what? So it's not a new one. It's an older one, Rick Hansen. So the neuroscientist, I, he wrote a book called just one thing. And it kind of is like, it actually sort of speaks to what we're talking about around, you know, not trying to burn ourselves out doing wellness. <laughs> it's like, he tries mm -hmm. to teach one little thing that we can do. I can just practice one, you know, one of these things at a time. And then when we tease all those little one things together, we actually create, you know, more wellness. So, so uh, yeah, that would be one. Another one I really have always liked, and it's also an older one is uh, Martin Seligman's uh, Learn Learned Optimism. Mm -hmm. So just around real mindset shift stuff. Uh, yeah. So we don't get into sort of that helpless, hopeless uh, place that uh, 
yeah, that we can see our see our uh, cup is half full. Uh, it's kind of been a powerful book way back in the day. Beautiful. And the the last the last sort of rapid fire. Um, when you think of success, who or what comes to mind, and why is that? I hope this isn't going to sound corny, corny, but I'm going to say my mom, actually. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and I'll tell you why. Um, so my mom didn't finish high school, so she was in Ontario, and they go to grade 13, but she got pregnant with my older brother. Uh, you know, had to leave high school three months into grade 11. And so fast forward, you know, married these three kids. Uh, my parents' relationship ends, and my mom goes to university as a mature student. She ends up doing a double master's and a PhD in clinical psychology. And she's still working and she's uh, 76 years old because <laughs> uh, she still loves what she does. And, and she had this, uh, so the why would be not only just that she did that, but also instead of a why me, like why did this happen to me? She's always had a, hey, why not me? Like, why can't I? And, and I feel like she really passed that on to, to us kids. Like, hey, why can't you? Go out there and do it, you know? Uh, so yeah, I'd say that that, that uh, has definitely uh, shown me some success over the years. I love that. Fantastic. What a great yeah, what a great answer to 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 wrap up this podcast. This has just been a, a just a wonderful conversation. Um, Donna, thank you so much for uh, for convincing Shannon to be to be on the uh, on the on the podcast. Yes, well, I I, uh, I owe you some extra Christmas treats. I think. <laughs> Donna does the best Christmas treats and we always get some as a family. So, okay. All right. Well, Matt, this has been all worth it. No, no. Okay. You know, I appreciate the thoughtful questions uh, and having, having been here and had this conversation with you both. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, as we always say, to be continued, we'll be uh, now that, uh, now that we, I certainly have your email, we'll be stalking you down and, and, and probably coming back for another round at some point. So. Uh, thank you, Shannon, for, for all that you do, for the work that you do in the world. And um, we uh, so look forward to talking again soon. Sounds good, Matt. Thanks. Thanks to both of you. <laughs>